This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for August 23rd, 2019. In this week's episode, what happens when your Apple ID is suspended? And Josh and Kirk do a deep dive into antivirus, answering common questions about Mac malware products. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. So this week, we're going to take a deep dive into the question that we often get asked, and that is, do Macs need an antivirus? But first, there's a story that came up about a little more than a week ago, and I wanted to discuss this because it really disturbed me. Um, Someone named Luke Curtis, who writes for Quartz, uh, had a problem. He bought an iTunes gift card, as he says, off a popular discount website, and he loaded it to his iTunes account, and then all of a sudden, one day... He got a dialogue saying, you cannot log in because your account has been locked. It turned out that the card was fraudulent. The the story gets a little bit complicated. But it took him a couple of months to get back into his account. Now, here's why this concerns me. This wasn't just his iTunes account. Your Apple ID controls everything you do on your Apple devices. It lets you purchase and update apps. It lets you manage iCloud. You might be using Apple's email with iCloud. If you're locked out of your iCloud account, there's pretty much not a lot you can do with your phone that makes it any different than an Android phone. And the fact that he had to go through so many hoops and eventually even writing an email to Tim Cook to get a resolution of this, I find really disturbing. Yeah, there's there's so many different aspects to this story. So we definitely recommend looking at the whole article. But one of the, the things that, that happened in this conversation was he, he was talking with an Apple representative. Um, he was shocked, you know, that his account had supposedly been locked because of using a fraudulent gift card because he thought he had obtained it legitimately. He offered to show Apple his proof of purchase. The agent says, oh, that's not necessary. And said, I'm looking at your account and can clearly see you're a dedicated customer and that you've been the victim of a scam. And she assured him everything would be fine. And within 24 hours, his account would be reactivated. And uh, after 24 hours, he still hadn't heard anything. He talked to another support representative and that representative said, your account has been permanently disabled. There's nothing else you can do. No escalation path. So, which means, of course, that he had to escalate it to the CEO. Of course, that what else do you, are you going to do, right? When when someone tells you something like that, uh, and yeah, you can't go to an Apple store. They can't help you with anything like this. They might try to uh, put you in contact with the support team, but they have absolutely no control over this. Yeah. So, and and some of the interesting things that happened to him were he had apps that would no longer work in the meantime because they required an update from the app store and you can't download these updates unless you have a working Apple ID. Um, So some crazy other side effects and things happened as a result of this, but this, this is really something worth thinking about. Um, And I mean, there's not too many things that you can probably do that will get you on Apple's list to get your account permanently banned. But um, if nothing else, definitely 
take this as a lesson that you should never, ever, ever purchase iTunes gift cards online, uh, especially if you're not getting a physical thing in return, you know, um, you can go to Costco. Well, I have to disagree with that. Okay. I bought them from PayPal or eBay and they're fine. You can buy them from Amazon and they're fine. Um, as you say, Costco, they do them by email as well. Um, hmm. So I think the question is, he didn't say which site he bought it from, but it could be that there was a site where something, maybe it was just a price that was too good to be true. Yeah. Um, what, what you need to know is when you buy iTunes gift cards, the best price you can get is an is a 15% discount. So you can get a $100 gift card for $85. I've never seen them legitimately less than that. They are often discounted at that price uh, in a number of places. You'll get them on Black Friday. You'll get them before Christmas. Um, but only buy them from PayPal, eBay, Costco, Target, whatever. Those stores that you know, um, don't go to any weird sites. I, I, eBay worries me because I'm I'm concerned that somebody could be selling, you know, iTunes cards that they've obtained illegally and putting those on eBay. Okay, good point. Okay, so we'll say that PayPal's okay and eBay's maybe not. Okay. Um now in a related story, neither of us have an Apple card yet. You don't have an Apple card yet, do you? The Apple credit card? N- no, I, I'm still not even using Apple Pay at this point. So, okay. well, the Apple Card has has sort of trickled out into the wild, and a bunch of journalists have gotten it, and some random people have been getting picked to to apply for this. Um, but something really interesting comes up: that if you lose your iPhone, you can't manage your Apple Card. There's no website; it's all iPhone. And this again, this is the walled garden. Um, I find this really disturbing. That something as important as a credit card is limited to the iPhone. What do you do if you lose your iPhone and you lose your card? How do you contact Apple? Um, According to Apple, you use an iPad or another iOS device or you call Apple support. But why can't they do this on a website? There's something really wrong with this. Yeah, it does seem a little bit fishy. And this plays in very well with what we're just talking about, this whole concept of like living in this walled garden, right? Um, and, And this is... You know, if I I think it's kind of obvious in the first place that if you're going to get an Apple card, I I mean, you're you're in Apple's ecosystem, right? I mean, you're not going to be able to take your Apple card and and get rid of all your Apple devices and keep using that Apple card. It just doesn't even make sense because of the way that the card is designed to work. Right. It shows all of your information in an app on your iPhone. Um, And it's really designed to work with Apple Pay, even though you get a physical card. Yes, right. So this is something that um, I think should be fairly obvious to people that you're locking yourself into the Apple ecosystem when you decide to get this card. Yes, but I would expect there to be a web interface for this. So let me give you an example. Um, I'm working for a company and I'm using my Apple card and I have bought some things that are expenses for the company and I need to print out receipts. Can I do that from the iPhone? Is that even going to be possible? Am I going to, you know, what's the hassle of getting a PDF of all your transactions and a statement that you need to give to your to your company? Um, it, it just seems to me a bit worrisome that you have all of this. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. I, 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 I mean, you you bring up a really perfect example and there may actually be and this is all still like very early stages, um, but there may be 
be a way if there's not already there probably will be soon a way that you can export a pdf listing you know your purchases so that you can hand something to get reimbursed um but um you know i mean, I mean otherwise really you fair... take screenshots of your iphone and you send yeah, them screenshots say, yes. to the accounting department um one, exactly one thing that people who have the card had pointed out is you cannot export the data to import it into any kind of financial app so it really is a walled garden as far as that's concerned. Yeah. I, you know, and as far as like being able to access this on the web or on some non Apple device, I mean, actually you can't even do this on a Mac. That's what's kind of interesting exactly. to me about it. Yeah. That's an Apple device. Yeah. Because there's no <laughs> wallet app on the Mac. Um, well, a, a lot of this has to do with the fact that we won't go into too much detail, but it's the security chip inside the device that allows Apple pay to work. Um, so you can use Apple Pay on your Mac if you've got an iPhone or an Apple Watch that can communicate with your Mac, but you can't use it yet on a Mac. Now, I have a recent MacBook Pro. It's got that T2 security chip, so the capability is there, but they haven't created a, a wallet app for the Mac yet. Um, I just want to mention one more thing about this walled garden thing. This morning, I was writing an article for the Intego Mac security blog about encryption, and I was talking about File Vault. And when you turn on File Vault, you have a recovery code. It's four, It's five bits of four characters. It's 20 characters with dashes. And you have two options. One of the options is to copy the code from the dialogue and, I don't know, print it, put it in a safe place, put it in your password manager. And the other is to store it on iCloud. And this just made me think, having read this article, well, if I lose my password from my Mac and somehow my iCloud account is no longer available, that's a real serious risk that I couldn't even get into my Mac. Yeah. So, I mean, with any of these walled gardens, and it's worth pointing out too that, you know, Apple's not the only company that has a walled garden. Um, you know, to some degree, at least, you have kind of a walled garden with Google and with other platforms as well. You can choose to sort of lock yourself into those ecosystems. Uh, we've also mentioned before that there's, you know, you can sign into a lot of different sites and services with your Facebook account and lock yourself into Facebook. Um, and a lot of people do that. Um, so I guess the, the lesson to learn here is try not to put all your eggs in one basket, or at least if, if there's any way of sort of backing up some of these things in other places, that's a good idea to do. Yeah. Um, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, as they say. Okay, so our main topic is a question we get often. We get lots of emails about this, and you read articles in the press, and do Macs need an antivirus? So the first thing I want to say is there really aren't any viruses for the Mac, and there have never been many viruses for the Mac. There is malware, and we use that term all the time. But if you listen to this podcast, I don't think we've said the word virus, maybe other than talking about history. Yet the industry still calls this antivirus software. So We've gotten that out of the way. Antivirus software protects against all kinds of malware and there are no viruses because this is one of the reasons that people say Macs don't need antiviruses. They say, oh, there's no viruses for Mac. If you listen to this podcast, if you read the Intego Mac security blog, you'll see all the different types of malware. Um, Trojan horses are very common, all sorts of malware that can affect the Mac. So obviously, I think we're both going to argue for the fact that Macs probably do need an antivirus. To, to be very honest, I think if you practiced very rigorous, safe computing practices and did everything really, really careful, then I'd say, okay, you might be safe. But most people just simply can't do that. 
I will add though, Kirk, that you you mentioned that there's no viruses that that infect Max, and while it's true that there's no Max specific viruses that have been around in recent years, there are still Microsoft Office macro viruses that are still a thing. I don't know how that still is a thing Good after point. all these years. We talked about but, that a couple months ago that there was a new one, and I forgot about that. I I got hit with one ten or fifteen years ago once. Yeah. So, so technically, yeah, that's a virus, but you're right though, that most malware for Max is other things, uh, Trojan horses, um, you know, remote access tools. Um, there's, there's a lot of scary stuff out there, but it's not technically viruses. And it's also been a long time since we've had worms on the Mac as a side note, but, um, but malware changes all the time and it's going to, you know, continue to change over time and we'll see things shift in different directions. There's a lot more of an emphasis now on malware that is looking to make money for the attackers, whoever created that malware. Um, so that's kind of the main motivation between, behind a lot of uh, malware that exists in the world today. And uh, so we'll, we'll see more of that. And in fact, I, so, so that's one of the first points, I think, in addressing this question of do Macs need an antivirus? Um, of course, obviously, we're going to tell you yes, because Intego makes Virus Barrier, which is um, obviously an antivirus or anti-malware product. Um, but we really want to talk about this from a perspective of not just, you know, speaking as representatives of a company, but in general, these are the reasons why we genuinely believe in, and if I did not work for Intego, I would still recommend to people to get an antivirus. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll go through the main reasons why an antivirus is a good thing to have for your Mac. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. And then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, so you just heard an ad read for Intego Virus Barrier, or is it Internet Security Barrier, whichever one we're selling this week. So we've got uh, we've got basically four main points here um, for why you should use an antivirus. The first is that Mac malware has increased, and we talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Uh, I think in 2018, the number of malware samples jumped up a, a great deal. But it's not only that. As you said earlier, Josh, the goal of malware is to make money. It could be crypto miners. 
they can't really harm your computer, but they can slow it down. Um, it could be ransomware, people trying to get into your computer to get your bank details, your credit card number, steal your identity. You know, the threats are very broad and there's just, it's, it's a market where people aren't that savvy about malware. Right. And, and another really interesting point about this, I think, is that uh, as, as we've, I think, mentioned recently, that sometimes just doing a Google search, you know, one of the top results will sometimes redirect to a site that's distributing Mac malware that might be very, you know, legitimate looking to some people. And you could end up with something downloaded onto your computer without ever trying to get into like the crazy dark corners of the internet, which is a very, very common myth. People have this idea that, oh, I've got to be looking for trouble in order to get malware on a Mac. Yes, I go on safe websites and you go on your friend's knitting blog and your friend didn't realize that their WordPress installation got hacked and that pages are serving up malware. Right. Right. So, so the idea that you have to be trying to do something bad in order to, to get in trouble going to, I've heard people say, oh, you only get malware from porn sites or you only get them from this or that. Nope. It's, you can get malware just doing normal, casual, you know, totally ethical surfing. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a myth. Uh, and, and one that I think more people really should be aware of. Okay. So, um, Mac OS has something called Gatekeeper, which is supposed to protect people from uh, malicious applications. It checks apps when you go to launch them. And this is supposed to be, well, a very good security feature. Is it that good? Well, the problem with Gatekeeper is that, of course, because that is kind of one of the main things protecting Mac OS, that's also one of the main things that anti you know, that people who are attacking Macs are going to want to try to find ways around. And over the years, there have been a number of different bypass methodologies for getting past gatekeeper protection. So gatekeeper does a couple of things. One is that it makes sure that uh, if you've downloaded software with certain apps, that it, it, uh, it, it makes sure that there's this quarantine bit that's set on that uh, on that file and then gatekeeper will check to see whether that quarantined file is signed it'll check to make sure that that signature hasn't been revoked by apple if it was signed with an apple developer id um, and also by by signed it means that there's a sort of a certificate in the app um, that corresponds to an apple developer account Yes, thank you for pointing that out. And then one of the other related things to Gatekeeper is XProtect, which is Apple's system for, it's sort of, I, I don't even like to call it an antivirus because it's it's so, so basic and really, really incomplete. Um, and almost all of the time, it's very outdated too. Um, so this is, the, that, that's all, that's all there is. I mean, <laughs> If, if, well, okay, to be fair, Apple does update XProtect occasionally yeah. um, for the most serious malware, and it can provide some assistance. There's also the malware removal tool, which can remove things. And we saw this a few weeks ago, that app Zoom that installed a web server that kept running, and Apple pushed out an update to remove this. Right. Um, one of the problems I have with XProtect and with Gatekeeper, only files downloaded with Safari messages or mail 
get this quarantine bit set. You use Firefox or Brave or Chrome or whatever, those files won't be checked by anything. Um, if I take a file off an FTP server or my business's file server, they don't get checked. Yeah, they. so that's true. Depending on what you're using to download, they may not get the quarantine bit set. But the first time that you double click on an app, it actually does, uh, it lets you know, hey, this was downloaded with whatever app. Um, and it gives and you the, the website where you downloaded it, right? And the website where you downloaded it, and it gives you the option to run it. Um, and if it's not something that's signed by an Apple developer, it will still Gatekeeper, depending on how you've got it configured, what version of Mac OS you're using, uh, it, it sometimes will not even let you run software unless it has been signed by some developer, whether it's an Apple developer or not. Um, but uh, in other cases, you may only be able to get apps that have been signed by an Apple developer ID, um, in which case, you know, you might think to yourself, well, that's that's good, right? Because if if Apple is approved of some developer, that must mean they're legit. And, you know, I'm not going to get any malware from that, right? Well, unfortunately, most malware these days is signed. At least most malware on the Mac is signed usually with an Apple developer ID. Because it's very... anyone can get an Apple developer account. I have one. You have one. Costs ninety nine bucks a year, and maybe people give fake information to get an account to send out some malware, and then they'll disappear and they'll get an, another account with a different name. Right. It's very easy to get an Apple developer ID. Another thing that can happen is that a legitimate developer who already has software out there on the market could have their account hijacked. Uh, maybe through one of these password dumps, you know, where uh, somebody's email address and password get associated together. If they're reusing their password, like we always tell people not to do, but people do, um, you know, you might have somebody who can get into someone's Apple developer account and then use their account to sign some malware. So these things happen. And so you can't completely rely on Gatekeeper and XProtect. Yes. And, and of course, Gatekeeper is only apps. XProtect is, is only going to check uh, files where the quarantine bit is set. Um, as you say, every app is going to give you an alert when you launch it. But if you've got a file that's not an app, um, then and you've downloaded it with Chrome or Firefox or wherever, then you have absolutely no protection. And so the way Virus Barrier and any other antivirus slash anti-malware software works is it scans every file um, that you open, that you create, that you write, that you read, that you save. Every time you work with a file, it's going to scan it. Now, one of the complaints that people have about antivirus software is that it's going to slow down your computer. Because as I said, when you have the real-time scanning enabled, it will be scanning everything you do. That's not really a problem anymore. I remember back in the day with slower computers, um, there was definitely a noticeable hit. But these days, I don't notice that. Computers are so fast for what we do. You know, I have a thing in my menu bar. I use iStat menus, and it tells me how much of my process is being used. Um, currently, 81% of my processor is idle. So if if 1% of my processor is used to scan files, it's really not going to slow anything down. And antivirus software slowing down your computer is not something that you really need to worry about anymore. If you do... Use an antivirus product that makes your computer feel slower. Talk to the developer 
Um, you know, maybe there's some setting that needs to be adjusted or something like that. And if you still can't, or get maybe it, there's a conflict with some other software that's running in the background on your Mac. Yes, that could be. Uh, and so if you talk with their tech support and you can't get that resolved, then consider switching to another product. Um, but yes. antivirus software should not slow your computer down anymore. Okay. So we often hear the suggestion from the tinfoil hat brigade that it's the antivirus software creators that create malware. Do you know anything about this, Josh? <laughs> I've been working in this field for 20 odd years and I've never heard anything like that. I mean, I've heard the, I've heard the conspiracy theory, but I've never heard of sure. companies doing it. But frankly, there's so much malware that companies wouldn't have time to create malware just to sell their software. Yeah. Well, I've definitely read some conspiracy theories. Uh, there are some that have gone, you know, pretty in depth, um, you know, people thinking that somebody or other, some particular antivirus company is maybe doing something that they shouldn't do. Um, I, I almost all of these reports are, like you say, very tinfoil hat. There's very little evidence to suggest that any of the, you know, big guys that have been around for many years, Intego has been around doing this since 1997. And we, you know, we, we've got a good reputation. We've never made malware. And I think anyone who uses our products trusts us and knows that that's the case. But, but you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm just being devil's advocate here. Oh, because, sure. You know, people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, of course, they're paid by Intego, so they're going to say this. Yeah. Um, but if you just think about it logically, how much <laughs> trouble would a software company be in for creating malware? Yeah, they would be in so much trouble. They would be sued. They would end up in prison. I mean, this is not worth the risk. Exactly. Well, and th th that's kind of one of the main, um, I guess, arguments against this conspiracy theory is if this has been going on and this is a racket that's, you know, been ongoing for decades, why has nobody you know, and why has no major antivirus company ever been caught doing this? I'm, I'm, you know, I definitely am of the opinion that some of these smaller companies, the ones you never hear about, or that kind of have a, a sketchy reputation, it's, it's possible that some of the same people that work on those products or people at the same company, um, may be developing adware or malware. Um, but, it's it's not something that you need to worry about from any of the reputable antivirus companies. Definitely, they're not creating malware. Um, it, it would it would destroy the company because if they ever got caught, and they would, and and, and if you don't, if you doubt whether they would get caught, watch my talk. <laughs> exactly, your malware attribution showed exactly how easy it is to find some of these people. Exactly, you yeah. will get caught if you're creating malware, and so uh, yeah. antivirus companies are not going to do that. Okay, so one thing to point out is that by protecting yourself, you're protecting other people. It's like vaccinations; um, not everyone can be vaccinated for health reasons, but if say 95 percent of people are vaccinated against measles or whatever it is, it protects the other five percent. They call this herd immunity um, in vaccination. And, well, by protecting your Mac, you're protecting the people you send files to, the people who use your computer, the people you work with, the people, for instance, who to whom you might give a USB thumb drive with photos from your picnic. Right. And, 
these are all really good reasons. I, you know, you may let's say that you work with mostly people who are windows users even. And so you might be of the opinion that, uh, well, you know, I'm not going to get any Mac malware from all my windows using coworkers. So I don't really need to worry about having an antivirus on my Mac. But remember there's all these cross platform things like the word and Excel macro viruses and, you know, it could very well be that one of your Windows using uh, coworkers has sent you a file that's infected and you may not necessarily realize that until it's too late. Um, you know, sometimes these files will have a legitimate macro embedded in them. A macro is a script, you know, that kind of runs through a, a certain predetermined processes. Um, and sometimes you actually need macros in certain documents to make them display correctly or behave correctly. If it's like a spreadsheet that does certain special calculations, those kind of things. Um, but if somebody sends you a document that's got a macro attached, there's no real way to know whether that's going to do something malicious or not, unless you have antivirus software installed. So protect yourself, protect others. Um, it's, it's just good. It's being a good internet citizen to have antivirus software on your computer. And also the way we share files now, uh, back in the day, we would put files on floppy disks or CDs and give them to people. But now everything's in the cloud. So you're going to get all these files, particularly if you're in business, you're going to put them in your company's cloud server. Other people are going to access them. You're going to get files from other people. You may get files that you actually never open and you pass on to clients. And back in the day uh, when I worked as a translator, uh, this was not an uncommon thing because Everyone used Microsoft Word, and there were macro viruses, and um, translation agencies would get files from clients, send them to translators, they'd get infected, pass them back and forth. Um, it was a very serious problem for a while. A related point is that, you know, sometimes there are PDF files even that, uh, you know, th these things, sometimes documents can contain exploits. And although that's not necessarily something that um, most antivirus software will detect that an exploit per se is is happening or, or trying to be uh, leveraged, what will usually happen is that if that there's a pattern that can be easily recognized by an antivirus program. So if it sees that type of pattern in a particular type of file, it'll know that, okay, this file is trying to use an exploit to infect this Mac and it'll block it. It'll automatically detect that file. And so it could even be things like PDFs that, that have an embedded, uh, you know, something malicious embedded in them that could be trying to exploit your Mac. Um, again, antivirus software will help you out here. People send PDFs all the time. You find them all over the internet. Um, you know, it could be slides, you know, it could be, um, you know, a document from your healthcare provider. Everybody uses PDFs. An, an invoice, whatever. Yeah. We tend to think that PDFs are safe and Word documents aren't because of the history of macroviruses. But it's true that PDFs can be a problem, too. And also, interestingly, when you download certain types of files with Safari, there's an option to, you know, automatically open safe file types and PDFs yep. are treated by Apple as a safe file type. But uh, I would beg to differ <laughs> because that's yeah. definitely something that we have seen exploited and used for, Ill, you know, legitimate purposes in, in the past. So the last question is, does antivirus make you more vulnerable? Some people suggest this and I really don't get 
how it can actually make you more vulnerable. Yeah, this this is sort of ironic, isn't it? That <laughs> I've actually heard pundits make this claim before. Pundits? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, some, I, I won't name names, but... No, they, don't name names. But we there, don't want to accuse anyone. Though. Yeah, but there have been people with, um, I, I would say, that, that are fairly popular who give advice. People with a following. People with a platform. Yes. Um, who, who like to talk and pretend like they know everything there is to know about computers and one of the claims that I've heard uh, made before by this type of individual is the idea that antivirus software actually exposes you and makes you more vulnerable than if you didn't have it installed. Okay, so here, here's the reason why this is even a claim in the first place. There have been a couple of cases throughout history where an antivirus product was found to have a vulnerability. But guess what? There's vulnerabilities in every product. Literally every product. Your operating system has probably hundreds of vulnerabilities that haven't yet been discovered. And so to say that you shouldn't use some piece of software because there could theoretically be a vulnerability, well, okay, then you shouldn't use an operating system either. So I, I hear that cuneiform is going to be a thing again. <laughs> It's a lot safer. You don't have to worry about being hacked. Yeah, exactly. Right. Of course, just, those cuneiform tablets are a bit difficult to mail to people. They're kind of heavy. Yeah. Let's just get rid of computers. So that that's that's my main argument against this. Sure. Yes. Some antivirus products have been found to have vulnerabilities in the past. Will they in the future? Sure. But guess what? Your operating system has way more vulnerabilities and you're at way greater risk of having and somebody- And your web browser too and your, and your email browser. app and your messaging yeah. app and- and you talk to a speaker in your house that records what you do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> These things are so much more likely to be exploited because more people are using them. There's very few people who are using a particular antivirus product compared to, you know, half the world is using Windows or Mac OS on their desktop. You know, this argument is is not really worth considering. Okay, um, we'll have an article on the Intego Mac Security blog going into this with some links that you can follow. Again, we're you can't trust us because we're paid to say this, but we've been working in this industry for a long time, and you just take it for what you think it's worth. Right, Josh? Yeah, it, you don't have to take our word for it. You can certainly do your own independent research. Uh, there will be conspiracy theorists out there who tell you you don't need antivirus software on Macs. I'm sure if you delve into the the corners of the Apple forums, there will be so many, you know, diehard blinded drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, Apple fanatics who will have all kinds of great arguments, but they're pretty much going to be along the same lines as the ones we've talked about here. Um, basically my recommendation again, and I would say this, even if I were not employed by an antivirus company, I would absolutely recommend to people to use protection software like an antivirus, including an antivirus and probably other utilities too. Um, it's really a good idea to protect yourself and you can't know that you're as protected as you can be unless you're using some legitimate well-designed products like of course the ones that Intego makes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I admire your honesty there, Josh. <laughs> 
Okay, until next week, then, stay secure and keep that antivirus running. (laughs) All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>